Poverty Light. And I'm Rick Rupenthal. Welcome to An Honest Look. Where we look at transformation from the inside out. Unplugged. Unscripted. And in the moment. All right. Hi. (laughs) We're here. (laughs) Oh, man. Oh, man. Oh, man. Man, it's like, you know, like, we were we were on a bit before this started, right? And it's like, oh, we got 15 minutes, cool. And it's like, you know, we got six minutes. And then I look <laughs> and it's like, like there's seconds to go, right? <laughs> it's fine. And I still didn't figure out my lighting, but it's okay. Oh. It's not about the lighting. It's about yeah. what we talk about. True, true. It's about the content, isn't it? It is. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so oh, so I can... I can see that your beard has been growing. It has been, yes. Um, and uh, yeah, not too bad. Starting to look a little bit more like, <laughs> I don't know. We'll see. Let's see. It's always, a, you know, originally, you know, I'm doing some guy stuff here, but like your hair, you know, I, I don't know how, how you feel about your hair, but sometimes my, my beard is the only hair I get to play with. Mm, yeah (laughs) yep (laughs) so you know i have my i have my little wax so i can make some handlebar mustaches or (laughs) different ways you know kind of thing i i I remember one time i went to work and um when i had the kids still living with us um they they got into dyeing their hair a little bit right and i they would always have dye left over <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Yes. Yes. This is this is years back, but anyways, I I um <laughs> I, I I put the dye on their hair and, or on my hair, and it's like, oh my goodness, is that it's like black? It was and too dark. <laughs> it was t- way too dark, and then it looked because I had more of a kind of a whitish beard. It really looked funny. <laughs> So, so from going from, you know, best case to worst case, I, I also noticed that my eyebrows were a different color. Like everything is just out of whack, right? So I'm putting this dye uh, not only on my beard, but also on my eyebrows. <laughs> I, I went to work. In- uh, one pictures. <laughs> my goodness, yes. Talk about being the center of attention. I want pictures of uh, of you going to work like that. Do you have any? Um, of oh, in my uniform? No, we do with a dyed beard and oh, eyebrows. The dyed beard. <laughs> maybe, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> but it's uh, it's it's remarkable. Well, like how far we can go to just um, change the way we look so that we can feel comfortable, right? And yes. And then you, when you said, you said like, you know, I'm starting to look more like, I don't know. And like the first thought that came to mind was like your familiar self. <laughs> right. Well, yeah. You know, and, and I know when I shaved it off, I remember the very first time I shaved it off having, having it on for close to 15 years plus. And it was sort of like, huh? you look a lot like your uncle. <laughs> like I started to see a lot of, and of course, then, then there was some thinkings about my uncle and, you know, and it kind of led me down a different path kind of a thing. Um, and, and people would say, you know, man, you sure look a lot like your dad now. And I'm going, really? <laughs> you know, I, I still could not see it, but, I, and that's the, that's the funny thing about, about appearances. People see more of you than you will ever see more of, yourself kind of a thing right absolutely yeah yeah Yeah, you're just looking from the inside out yes not looking at yourself no 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 and we're very well we're very tough on ourselves too well look at me i could not go to work with black hair like it's like you know what could i do right you know so i made it even worse and made made my whole face uh well all, all my hair black and and it's like and they were questioning everybody's looking at me going 
you didn't. <laughs> I said, <laughs> How long did it take for the dye to come off? <laughs> two. Well, about three weeks. About three weeks. And I wash <laughs> and I wash twice a day just to <laughs> let's, so let's just get into a little coaching conversation. What did you learn from that experience? <laughs> <laughs> well, I learned to accept uh, life as it was being presented to me in the sense of, now that's more philosophical, you know, I'm, I'm speaking, you know, several years into that future, right? At the moment, it was, you know, I, I've always had this thing about age. Um, mm -hmm. like I, I remember, I remember as it, as growing up through all the various stages, like from a teenager into the teen, you know, into the twenties and thirties, um, I always kind of projected and looked for examples that were sort of older than me. And it's, and it's sort of, I, I don't know why I got into that particular habit. It just seemed like a habit that I would look at people that were like 10 years older than me and going, oh, well, 10 years ain't, you know, 10 years in the future doesn't look so bad. Mm. Right. And then when I got to that age, I, it, it was another, I was looking at people and I've always had older friends, so to speak, um, in general. And, um, uh, which, you know, as a teenager, that kind of could get you into a little bit of trouble, <laughs> but, um, um, but as I, I, I grew older, I always looked for other examples of people that were sort of 10, 20 years ahead of me and sort of said, oh, well, if that's kind of what the future looks like, well, that ain't, that ain't bad. As if I was trying to, you know, project what, what my future would be like. Now, in hindsight, I, there's no way I could have predicted that I'd be on a talk show with you from somebody that's in New York um live you know there's absolutely no way i could have predicted anything like that so yeah it's kind of fruitless to even yeah it's such a waste of time to try and like predict the future but yeah we do it all the time right? all the time We're constantly doing that yes so yes yes and it's water by the way <laughs> <laughs> no judgment if it's not no. <laughs> well, others others might i know you don't you don't <laughs> Yeah. So <clears throat> you had a good week, hey? I had, I had a pretty good, I had a tough week. I had a tough week, but okay. it's been a, it became a very good week because of what I learned from it. Right? Oh, interesting. Interesting. Uh, isn't it always the case, right? When you're going through it, you don't like it. I didn't like it at all, um, especially because it had to do with my daughter getting hurt, actually, oh. right after our conversation last week. Uh -oh. And, you know, I really, I think when things like that happen, you really are tested in your humanness, right? Okay. You're yeah. just living life from a more primal state because especially when your child gets hurt, fight or flight is raging. Right. And so I went through all of that in the emergency room and she had to have, you know, minor surgery on her finger. Oh it was traumatic and difficult yeah. and upsetting. Right. And it wasn't the only thing that was upsetting about it. It was what was upsetting about it was some, you know, what had something that has to do with my personal life and the circumstances that, that I'm in as a single parent. And it really got me thinking, right? Because in the moment when you're in that fight or flight state, right? All you can do is narrow your focus on what needs to be done. Like get her to get that finger taken care of, go to the ER, where do I park, get in as fast as possible, right? Mm -hmm. And that's, that's what you need to do, frankly. Yeah. You don't need to be sitting around and doing breath work. You don't need to be sitting around and questioning whether or not you're in a, Right, empowered state, you just need to go, move, and do it, right? And, and I think that's a primal example of when that kind of state of mind really serves us, right? The, the problem is when that becomes our normal. We experience everything in from a you know, fight-or-flight state. That's when it becomes unhealthy. But in that case, I went through it, I experienced it, and I experienced also the physical 
withdraw and like exhaustion afterwards and, mm-hmm. and and like i was finally able to sit with it all a couple days later because then she was home from school you know we were in the er really late yeah so i had her around me and i had to support her so the, the my fight or flight state lasted quite a bit and i really noticed you know because i do what i do and i'm you know very much in my head i started really noticing my thoughts and noticing where i was at and i you know i was like you know what what an opportunity to really try what i you know like embody and and do things the way i preach right <laughs> i'm just going to not judge this right i am feeling really upset right now the moment that my daughter went to school i was able to actually sit down and think about it and I felt really sad and upset and angry. I had all these different feelings that had been sitting there patiently waiting for me to come out of this like survival mode, protecting my daughter, not letting her see that this was hard for me. Uh, and and uh, to some extent I shared with her that you know obviously, you know, this was an you know, an everyday event, but you know, obviously I didn't amplify it for her. Oh my God, what happened to your finger, right? So there was a level of self-control there. So the moment that I had time to sit down with this, it, it all, all this stuff just poured into my brain, right? Mm. From some trauma that's linked to experiences that I've had in my past, you know, my relationship with hospitals and ERs, and emotional resentment, anger, uh, some of my circumstances, right? I really like dropped deep into this more primal state of really feeling more of a victim, feeling angry and like just having all this stuff come at me all at once, right? Mm -hmm. And, And then I told myself, you know what? That's just human. I am going to have moments like this. Instead of fighting it and denying that's there and pretend that I'm not sad or angry or that I shouldn't be and feel guilty because I'm a coach and I tell people not to do this and then here I am doing this, right? Imposter syndrome. I told myself, you know what? This is going to happen. No one has control over this. Just sit with it and let it express. And that's what I did, right? I just paid attention to my thoughts. I yelled at my chair, empty chair technique. I love the empty chair technique. I just <laughs> shouted all that that's anger. <laughs> I know my chairs have had it. Uh, and and I, just, I just let the anger, what needed to come out, out. And it's fascinating. Every time I do this, what happens next? When the anger and all this like more surface feelings just are able to come out and be expressed. What comes up next is sadness and tears, Mm. right? And then I was really able to kind of look at that sadness where it came from and realize, you know, with some of the sadness, it's not just this current circumstances that has to do with uh, something that has happened in the past and the memories that are sad to me, right? So I was able to kind of process all of this, right? Mm-hmm. And then I was left with this, with this, not, I don't want to call it a problem, but with this, this big thing to look at, right? Sure. Sure. How do I, how do I express my anger? Right. And, and, and now yet I feel, I still have feelings towards uh, other people's behavior. Right. And, and I know that I have no control over what they do. Right. No. No, I, there's no, nothing no. I can do about what they do. I can be angry about it, but that doesn't serve me. And now that I've expressed it, I'm just left with having to accept that, right? So, and I, and I just sat with that and nothing really came up until, I think it was uh, on t- yesterday. Yesterday morning, I was uh, coaching someone and I was talking to her about her circumstances where she, you know, often feels frustrated towards you know, like a loved one and their inability to change or their behavior or being stuck in a certain way and really hoping that one day they'll get to do the work, right? 
And, and I came up with a perspective that I think is going to make it. And that's something that I've been working on myself in my personal life with people that I love, like really not attaching myself to their change or their inability to change or feel bad or frustrated. I, right. And so I started really looking at it from a different perspective, right? I don't even know where it came from, but, you know, I started thinking, what, what I do know where it came from, but it's all coming together, right? What if we look at this as if we're all in this greater plan together, right? We all believe in oneness. Let's assume that you believe in oneness. Maybe you don't. I do. Yep. So if we're all one, then we're all trying to evolve and go to the same place, right? And so when we look at the people that we love and the people that have landed in our lives from a soul perspective, they are, we're all there for each other for a reason, to help each other accomplish a certain goal or evolve in a specific way, right? And so I started thinking about it. What if, what if this person in my life that I love, that cannot change, that keeps hurting me, uh, or that is just stuck and hurts himself or herself, what if this person's purpose, soul's purpose, was to facilitate my change? Mm. What if their role was to just play this role so that I could play my role, so that I could go and accomplish greater change in a, maybe in a different way than from a human standpoint I can see and conceive, right, or project, right? Mm -hmm. And, and what if I could just accept that I don't know, right? That I don't mm. know and that I'm not in charge of what their purpose, their mission, their soul is doing. Mm -hmm. And just trust that they are, and we all are doing what we're meant to do in this moment, at this point. And at the best. From, the best way that we can yeah. from the, an evolutionary standpoint of where we're at on a soul level, right? Sure. And so that, to me, really put things in a different perspective, really helped me detach from the attachment of wanting the person to change, wanting the person to do the work, or wanting them to reach a different level of evolution, right? Or get unstuck or like feeling frustrated towards it because it gives it a different and higher meaning, right? Absolutely. It, it's, to me, it's like, we're all pieces of a huge puzzle, right? And so when we just look at our own little piece or that little piece over there, that's that person, we're really not seeing the whole picture, right? And it's, it, to me, this concept is really trusting that we're pieces of this great puzzle. And eventually when you put them in place where they're meant to be, the picture will become clear for all. But we're all a what? part of it, as much a part of it, right? Major goosebumps major goosebumps yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it's good yeah no yeah. I, I mean I, I i even love the analogy of the puzzle piece right like we're a puzzle piece and yeah we aren't clear on what that full picture looks like but we do know that we are holding on to a piece of it and and, and, and I read something really interesting this morning, too, in, in one of the books I'm reading, where the message was um, so much like you like you were saying about, you know, like, you know, we, we talk about toxic relationships. We talk about people that, that are pushing our buttons all the time and things like that. But the way you you are, you know, the, your new perspective on that kind of aligns with what this person was saying in, a, in his book about um, it's not about getting rid of the people that are not vibrating at the same level as we are, right? That, yeah, it's really nice to be able to hang out with a lot of people that are at the same level, right? You, you know, you have really what feels like empowering conversations and, you know, the whole idea of oh, we're all both on the same wavelength. But nothing new or grows from that, right? All we all we really do is pat each other on the back and you know that kind of thing and and kind of. But it's really about exploring the nature of. I'm not going to say conflict, but but just things that are not quite in sync with us, right? 
And I, and I am a firm believer in that. Like I, I remember reading in, in the Celestine's prophecies, you know, it kind of had that flavor of people come into your life for a reason, right? So stay curious, stay curious and open. You know, it doesn't mean that you have to like the behavior, but stay curious and open and, and see how that puzzle might fit with one of your pieces. I, yeah, no, it's, that's really cool. That's really cool. Yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's easier said than done, but I think, uh, you know, when you see, and I completely agree with you, right? Yeah. If we were all on the same level, all, you know, and it's not about like, we are more evolved than they are. There are no, parts where we're more evolved in different parts or like at a different place of our evolution in different parts of lay, layers of us, right? Because yeah. we're layered beings. We're not just human we're we're a spiritual being and And i think that's a good distinction i just want to highlight to whoever's listening is that because we're at a certain spot our egos make the differentiation about better or worse right but if you take the ego out of the equation no matter where we are we're still that unified force right absolutely we're all made of the same stuff right so we, so at that plane, in at that level, we're all equal. Yeah. Okay? It's and, only and in fact, I think that when we are challenged, the person or the circumstance or what the event that is challenging us is what we need to learn. It's what we need to solidify, right? Mm-hmm. It's what we need to, you know, it's very easy to philosophically talk about all this stuff, but it's yes. an opportunity to walk the walk. Right. Well, and that and that is that is key, right? Because th- and that's where I think coaching. Um, I'm going to put a plug in for coaching, right? <laughs> is is that it 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 creates the atmosphere and sort of that willingness conversation about actually having the client explore for themselves. Like I often tell tell my clients, don't believe anything I'm saying, right? Like, go out and explore it for yourself. See what it's like, you know, and then you will know because because we are all unique expressions of, of sort of the same same material. But you need to find you. And, and you know, that's why I, 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 you know, yeah, I do fall into the trap and I do recommend a few things, you know, try this, try that. Um, but really, it's coming from my perspective but they have to find them. They have to do you, do you, right? And and that's really about exploring. And, and it's like, ex, you know, experimenting. It's like, oh, okay, well, I see that. I see how that works. Much like what you did. Like you weren't afraid to explore something that you don't know. So it's, it's um, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's a wonderful insight. I'm Thanks for sharing that. I mean, I think it's always about really removing the focus from the event or the person and and just go within, go inside. Always, what is this teaching me, right? What is it teaching me? Why, why do, and, and like, we don't all get challenged in the same ways, right? Because the lessons that we're all here to learn are different, right? So what may challenge me may not challenge you at all. Right. And so especially when you keep getting challenged by the same thing over and over and over again, keep digging, keep looking, because there's something in there that you haven't been able to look at, that you haven't uncovered. Right. And and so, yeah, it's not. But it wasn't easy. Right. It wasn't easy because I was angry. My little girl got really, really, really hurt. Right. And it certainly wasn't my first day (laughs) thinking. Right. Let me sit with this and look within myself. You know, what's what do I need to work on? No, I was pissed. <laughs> she fell and she hurt her finger really badly. Right. Um, and, and I think there's there's something to be said about that, too. It is OK to be human. It is OK to be angry. It is OK to be emotional. It is OK to just have a bad day and be open about it. You know? Yeah. And and, and that like I've. um Sid Banks is a is another author I've I've followed and, and a lot of his teachings too. And he and he says one of my favorite quotes from him is that if if we only learned to 
to not be afraid of our experiences. In other words, we're afraid of our feelings. That alone could change the world. Like if we weren't afraid, like because when we there's there's this tendency that when we notice that we're angry or something, we feel like okay, we need to do something about that. I need to calm down. I need to well, maybe it's just the opposite. Maybe you need to allow yourself that flow because what resists does persist. Yeah. Right? So if it's if you're going to resist it now, it'll it'll pop up again and maybe not in a more controlled or quiet manner, you know, God forbid it in a grocery store in a lineup and you know, you know, but so, you know, just that alone, like I, you know, I said, you know, it's like, well, I'm really sad. Well, great. Like, just be sad, you know, you know, and, and when you do allow that, that to express through yourself, you will notice that it, it kind of flows through you quite quickly. Like it doesn't linger. 100%, 100%. And this brings me to the second insight that yeah. I had. Oh, two insights. In two insights. Yeah, well, this was more like measuring, right? I was oh, measuring okay. how far okay. I've come, you know, and just yes. really thinking about, well, a couple of years ago, yeah. something like this would have thrown me off for a couple of weeks. Uh, Emotionally, just mentally, like, I would have been like, thinking and rethinking, rehearsing what happened and just feeling guilty. And, you know, like, and some of that did happen, but I just let it express and let it go and didn't judge it and then go back on it. Right. And I was like, you know what? It really took me like a day and a half <laughs> to go through something that I think it would have a couple of years ago, something that would have literally like depleted me for, for weeks. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Just because A, I allowed it to be and to happen and to express, and B, I didn't judge it. Mm -hmm. When you don't judge yeah. something, yes. you let it go, right? And the, the things that we judge are the things that we keep like thinking about and like rehearsing and judging and rejudging and rejudging as if judging it over and over again changes it or makes it even worse, right? <laughs> and so when you don't judge and when you let it be, and you you get yourself your freedom back. Absolutely, yeah. And and there's that there's something else um, that popped up while you were telling your story, um, and that is the resilience of children. Mm -hmm. Because your your daughter went through a traumatic event. Okay, mm -hmm. like something happened to her, right? And and I'm not I'm not a hundred percent clear on the details of the of the timelines. But from what I gathered from your story is she went to school and you, mm -hmm. and you continued on with the story. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, she, she certainly like really surprised me, you know, it was pretty serious. They had to remove her nail. She got a bunch of stitches. Like yeah. it was yeah. no joke. It was a minor surgery. Oh, oh, I Totally. Yeah. I get it. Yeah. And she was like, I mean, the thing that scared her the most was that big, big syringe <laughs> with anesthesia. Those like, syringes. Can, can we just hide it next time? Anyway, <laughs> it was really big. Uh, but she, she was really proud of herself. I, you know, because now, I, you know, I, I do, you know, like by default, that's what I do now. I coach people. I really observe my thoughts and I observe other people's thoughts too. And I do this with my children all the time. Mm -hmm. She was really rehearsing in her head how brave she had been. Yes. And she was like, when you were six years old, mom, did you, would you have cried and screamed when they took your nail off? I'm like, yes. <laughs> 1000 yeah. percent and but but what she was doing after she got over the size of the syringe which was i made a face i was like okay i need to go outside for a walk after she got over that part of it and her hand was numb she's just like she's like i can't feel anything this is great i can't feel anything she was fascinated by the fact that she couldn't yeah. feel her hand it was her first time yeah. having a part of her body numbed you know yeah. and so she was really focused on that i was like good i'm glad because i can see what they're doing you do not want to be looking that way yeah. uh but yeah she was so proud of herself and i feel like actually today she had a doctor's appointment and somebody made a comment of how she 
seemed so mature and well together. I was like, I really feel like a switch was flipped when this happened for her, because this is not the typical reaction from her. So I think that in her way, she grew from this. Well, it, and that's, and that's, that's really possible. But what I, what I, what I hear from that and what, and what I, and, and part of my practice is to, because kids don't grow up with problems. I mean, I, I mean they eventually yeah. grow up with problems. They're not born with problems, I, mean, I meant to say, right? And they, they stay very curious. And I know, um, you know, one of the things I wanted to do, um, and whether I did or uh, was successful, it's hard to tell, but I, you know, I wanted my kids to stay curious. I wanted them to mm -hmm. keep exploring and, and, and not get tied up into adult stuff, right? You know, because, well, you know, um, and, and so play was very important for me, like, and creativity was very important, right? So, so they did a lot of things that way. But what, what's always pointed back to me, particularly with my teachers and, and who, uh, who are coaching and mentoring me, is that that innate resilience, that innate well-being is inherent in all of us. Like we have it within us. And the problem is, is that as adults, we have the ability to talk ourselves out of that. And when we slow down enough to start to notice and relax a little bit, we fall back into that. And so for me, your story really highlights that your daughter was able to find that quickly. She mm -hmm. was within yeah. her, right? Yeah. You you don't you don't grab it or or get it. You you revisit it, right? So she was able to, and it was so neat how she was curious that oh man, this is different. My my, <laughs> you know, it's like my it's it's numb, right? And you know, and she'll have a bit of a scar or whatever, right? she was able to carry on which is to me the, the the biggest sign of resilience ever right and i'm often you know particularly with with some of the clients who have had you know that i deal with have had real traumatic events in their life um are still hanging on to those events and and not able to carry on not able to go back to their school whatever that school might be as, or back into their life and and uh yeah so to me uh it just validates you know what your daughter demonstrated is within us all right we might have layers and layers and layers of mm -hmm. whatever we've built up over the years <clears throat> and as coaches we tend to you know remove and and note it you know remove them but we always it's like the, it's like you know it's a cloudy day but something keeps telling you that there's still a sun behind those clouds, mm -hmm. right? And your daughter, to me, validated that point. Yeah, yeah, she was really exceptional. And she's she's literally so proud of herself. I'm like, I'm really enjoying watching her. Yeah. You know, well, she loves the attention too. Let's, let's wow. just be fully honest, right? Because now mommy has to do a lot of things for her that I didn't do anymore, right? Uh, but she's also very proud of the things that she's able to still do. So, and I, and I love to really focus on that with my kids, right? Instead of amplifying, oh my God, what happened? That stupid bench shouldn't be there, right? Instead of really talking about that, I really have to focus on they're going to fix up your finger. It's going to, you know, it's going to heal and look at how courageous you are. And, you know, like really focus on the fact that you look at you, how hard you're working in writing because it's her right hand and you're doing such a beautiful job writing in spite of this finger. So really model that for them because they have it in them innately, right? We are the ones that put in all the criticism and all the like, you know, correcting them, et cetera, et cetera. So they already are wired to just be present. They are. And so, and so are we, we just seem yeah. to forget that part all the time. Right. Now in the beginning of your story, you, you, um, you talked about the event itself and, 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 and that that's worth highlighting too, because I, I you know, as a paramedic, 
we're we're kind of um you know we're, we deal with situations quite similar to that you know on an ongoing basis and people people often ask you know how can you do what you do i could never do what you do mm-hmm. and i don't challenge them but i also know that they could if they had to they could right it's you know and and it's like with with you like you 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 wrote you you had enough presence to know that these were the steps to take and you just followed the you followed the breadcrumbs and it's it's usually after the fact and and you know i say the same thing like you know it's like a, we just we show up and then respond accordingly and whatever whatever that is happening at that moment that's the next step and then we we do the next step and the next step and the next step and finally we we're finished it's after that that we tend to get wrapped up in hmm what just happened you know and then the well i could have done something differently i could have done this i could have could have would have should have right all that stuff right and eventually we we get lost in that conversation and start feeling bad about ourselves and i'm not good enough and you know and i'm also taking this to the nth degree obviously but um yeah no i mean but that is also human of course yeah we do this innocently right and i think half half of what i do is 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 inviting people to keep noticing that be the observer of that because it's from that place that's when you can actually make some significant difference for yourself Right? It's not about techniques as, as so much as more about noticing first, right? Being aware of, like you, like you were. were yeah, talking. I mean, I, I think that to some extent, especially in situations like this, when an accident happens, when something like that happens, right? When you are truly in fight or flight, it, there's 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 a level of um, rehearsing that and revisiting that that's part of the processing it of it right because in the moment that you are just acting and doing what you need to do to survive you're not processing any of it you're just surviving and so it's important to actually revisit it but revisit it from a more empowered state like to really okay let's look at what happened and really acknowledging well i did this well and this is all i could do right it's the moment that we get lost in like the shoulds and coulds and like you were saying the moments that we start criticizing ourselves that we could have done it differently you know only if i did this only if i did that right that's a moment that that becomes unhealthy but i think some part of that is is crucial you need to process it right well what what happened wait a minute right what happened here (laughs) right from from a learning perspective yeah right it's it's helpful particularly if you're in the field of caring for others right you know it's like you know we have we have these incidences where we go back and investigate calls that didn't quite go the way we had planned them Mm. for, for whatever reason right so we go back to see Okay, so what part of our thinking created that, right? Or, or it could be what part of our training mm. wasn't wasn't quite up to par, right? And so they were actually quite quite informative um, because it wasn't necessarily pointing or putting blame on any particular person for 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 the outcome. It was really kind of okay what. What part of our training was was short on that, or 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 made it so that that's what ended up happening, or maybe it was our culture. Maybe, you know, we've had uh, we've had incidences where people felt that it was not up to them to speak up mm. because because of the the created culture of hierarchies in in licensing levels and in you know well I'm a doctor and you're just a nurse and you know that kind of a thing right. The good thing is, is that over the number of years, I think over, I, I would say at least 10, 10 plus years, that has all been changing. You know, it's been really more about a team effort, regardless of who's the lead in the call. If you see something, you call it, you know, so, so it's, um, you know, so it's, it's, it's helpful to, to reflect but when it becomes 
a, a habitual, you know, mm -hmm. and then of course it's attached to a, to a bad feeling. Then, then you've got some, some issues developing. And, and, and self-criticism and self-criticism, well, self right? I don't know any, any self-criticism that doesn't come with a bad feeling. Mm -hmm. <laughs> kind of a thing. True. Yeah. So, so for me, it's always about following the feeling, using the feelings as your barometer of what quality of thoughts are going through your head right now. And, and, um, you know, and then just saying, okay, right. I, you know, fine. You know, and the other thing is, I mean, it happened then it's not happening now. So what, what are you reliving? So it's, it, it, there's, there's a lot there. There's so much there in that, in that, in that, in your story there. It, um, yeah, we could write a book about that maybe, eh? For sure. I mean, I, I could, you know, another thing that came to mind to me yeah. as we were talking about, you know, paramedics yeah. uh, was was a little bit of the perspective that I got of the doctors, right? Oh, okay. Because I'm sitting there, my daughter's all like, finds it funny that she can't feel her hand, and I'm seeing things that are making me feel like lightheaded, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> So I'm like, okay, I need to breathe, right? Yeah. And and then I'm just observing how this doctor, fairly young, is completely unfazed by any of it. <laughs> like just fully focused on what he has to do, right? What he's yeah. performing a minor surgery on this little finger. Yeah. And he's I'm completely unfazed by it. I'm like, I almost fainted. And, and, and then really got me thinking about how, how, you know, professionally, this can be a challenge because, because eventually when you see it all, you know, I really thought to myself, he's seen it all. Of course, this is not <laughs> traumatizing to him, but it is to me, right? Sure. Well, it's um, something new to you, right? I mean, it's, it's something new to me. But I really thought about, wow, this is this is, is normal, you know? And when something becomes normal, just like our thoughts, just like, like, like our realities, or just like seeing people bleed and like with missing limbs or whatever it is that he sees, right? We start stop noticing it. It stops affecting us. It becomes it becomes our normal, right? And so it really, I really started playing with this idea. Like I haven't really gotten anywhere, but uh, I think often, especially I live in New York City, I have felt towards certain doctors that were not very sensitive. You know, they were low, cold, and detached, right? Just and and it has always bothered me, right? And for the first time, just. I don't know, observing this guy and having the thoughts that I was having and being curious and looking at it from a different perspective I, and knowing what I know about trauma, because I've been doing a lot of reading and research on trauma in the last couple of years, I realized that's just a coping mechanism too for them, right? The need to be detached from that is, is there. It needs to be there because if he was like fainting every time he had to do that, <laughs> Well, my daughter's finger wouldn't get fixed, right? Um, so yes, it really got me thinking about how 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 does someone like that process this, right? It's it's got to be different than the way I do, right? Well, hundred percent, and and I know from from my perspective as a paramedic, I mean we're you know the one one thing that we, we were taught and and i believe it still has continued to taught is that you can't take the last call you had into the next call yeah you 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 have to go in with for for lack of any better description an empty mind like with no no real expectations going in is the best place to be so in other words regardless of what the dispatcher what you feel it, what you're going into you really need to ha have have a very open mind right yes you need to sort of like okay you've got a kind of a hint but so often we're told we're going to something and it turns out it's not the same thing and matter of mm -hmm. fact it could be either worse or in some cases it's it's a lot less so using a lot of extra energy anticipating what the future might be 
is detrimental to the to patient care. So for, for, to get into that zone state, we, we have to let go of whatever we're going into and then show up fresh mm-hmm. and be curious, right? So, so what you see, whatever's in front of you. Now, now here's, here's the part that, that kind of conflicts with, with some cultural thinking. Because in cultural thinking, particularly in EMS um, or first responders, it's all about be prepared. Mm-hmm. Well, you are more than prepared for the, like, particularly mentally, right? And the zone has often been described as you just do what's necessary, right? For some reason, you just know that that is the next step. That is the next step. And when you reflect back on it, you realize but there wasn't a lot of thought that went into that call. And yes, some people say, well, that's just because you had a lot of practice or whatever. But for me, it's always been that fine balance between the skills and knowledge that you have acquired through your experiences and training and, and then the, the, the sort of intuition and wisdom being open to seeing what is the next step. Mm-hmm. So I find that the more traumatic the call you, you, t- you, it just seems like you, you get more into it quicker, um, you know, because this, yeah, don't, 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 don't. And some of the lighter stuff, because you have a tendency, you could, you, you can relax a little bit or not be worried about too much more personal thinking gets in, in the way. And that, and that also gets detrimental. Right. So, yeah, I mean, your doctor's kind of in so that, zone, right. He's kind of in that zone and and, and again, yeah, you know, when you realize what has just happened, has just happened, you have to let go of that. You have to, whatever technique you call it, compartmentalize or put it aside or whatever, or, you know, you can't drag that into the next call because, you know, and, and a lot of times, you know, dispatch understands that and say, you know, do you guys need a timeout or anything? Can you, do you want to take a break? Mm-hmm. Right. But I often found myself personally, and this is just me personally, I wanted to get back on the, in the truck. I wanted so, to do- so, so what you're describing to me sounds very much like the, you know, the more critical the situation that you're responding to and the more amped up your, your own fight or flight is because it's time of action doing, right? Responding to what's presenting itself and being really logical, right? In your logical brain. But when it's not so bad, then obviously you're not as, you know, worried or, you know, you're not in that same zone and with the same intensity. And so you, you, there's a little bit more room for, for your mind to kind of wonder and start analyzing and stuff like that, instead of just tapping into what you know and doing, which is what, what like, you know, fight or flight or like, you know, situations where there's, a, there's need for an immediate response doesn't give you time to think. You just do what you know from the knowing that you have and the, use the skills or whatever skills. it is, right? And it's, and it's, and we have that built inside of us like that. Yeah. That is built inside of us. And, and anybody that has ever come across, I, now there is one other part of the fight or flight, and that's the freeze mechanism, right? Mm. I mean, they're all part of, of survival, right? Um, or when we feel that there's a particular threat, right? But, it, but I, have, I often use a sort of a Jungian approach, Carl Jung uh, approach in the sense of, of and, and the words are not going to describe it, to its to its fullest but it's being centered mm-hmm. so so if i'm thinking about the next step i'm not centered i'm already doing something you're ahead of yourself i'm ahead yeah. of myself right if i'm centered then i have full access to all everything everything my left side and my right side of my brain whatever you want i I'm, i have access to my analytical side all the good stuff all the good stuff when I'm centered. If I if I get my personal thinking in in the way, and I've seen this with other with other, um, including myself, um, it's much easier to see it than others again. But uh, you know where you kind of get tunnel vision, mm-hmm. 
And it's like, okay, wait a minute. You know, why is this person not a chest pain? Like, you know, like I'm going to bake it. I'm, I'm going to do everything I can to put them into a chest pain protocol. It's my personal thinking that's getting in the way. Mm-hmm. But if I center myself and say, okay, well, what is there? What, what do I need to show up? Oh, look, it's a cut finger. It's got bleeding. You didn't have to think to put something on there. You just mm-hmm. knew something. You just knew. Yeah. You just knew, right? <clears throat> that's the fun. That's the fascinating part about it that I find is that, you know, maybe the secret is to be less prepared. <laughs> kind of maybe the secret is to be less prepared. And I think this kind of links very nicely into this concept of uh, how much your brain automates actions, oh, you know, yes. your bodily functions and your thinking, yes. which is not something that you necessarily are aware of until you start doing this kind of work and you look into how the mind works, right? Your brain is automating your thoughts too. Your brain is automating your reactions. Your brain is automating everything that you do, right? From walking to talking to digesting to pumping your blood, right? And That's also the way thing. you, the way you, the direction in which you think every day, right? Those are those are all good things, right? Because I don't want to take take charge of digestion. Oh, absolutely not. And when something is not working well, you want to go in there, you know, like yeah. a self-critical constant nagging on yourself, yeah. right? Yeah. That's why it's so hard to change it because it's such an ingrained way of the brain to function, right? So change is not easy. It's not meant to be. It's the, Those systems are in place for a very, very good reason, right? Yeah. And it's often also difficult to to understand and realize that the change is needed in that area because you're so so used to being you, being yourself, right? You're so used to the way you think that you don't see anything wrong with it until it's reflected back to you from someone who is seeing things from the outside, who is not in your habitual loop of thinking or way of thinking or seeing things. Yeah. Yeah. Which makes coaching so powerful because you are that person on the outside holding the mirror, just tilting it slightly, right? Yeah. 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 And it's and it's really actually, um I had the, I had this video queued up for last week. It's a bit of a short it's called um you are what you're looking for. Have you seen that? Have I shared that with you before? I think I've seen it, yeah. I love yeah. it. Yeah. Would how about we play it and then Play. we can, Go we for can it. just briefly uh, talk about it before we, it's almost at the end of our hour. It's unbelievable. Okay. here We're talkers. <laughs> I learned something that was really impactful for me, which is that your capacity to love others is limited only by your capacity to love yourself. And that's what inspired this piece of poetry, which I call You are who you've been looking for. You are who you've been looking for. So stop looking for more unless you're looking in a mirror because it's about time for you to see clearly that you are who you've been looking for. And that empty feeling you got, that hole in your chest, you only got that feeling because you think you're not blessed with everything you need. You see, we live in a consumerist society, which means they need you to buy stuff. And the easiest way to sell it is to tell you you're not enough. Buy this car, you'll get girls. Buy this bra, you'll get guys. (laughs) And we're seeing it so much that we start believing these lies. But the truth is, the makeup they're selling to make you feel prettier is the same makeup you buy to stop feeling shittier about this lie they keep telling you that you are not enough. And what about the movies we watch, all the shows on TV? The more I watch, the more I see I need you to complete me. And yes, love is the answer, love is the key, but if you can't love yourself, how could you ever love me? And, and loving yourself, what does that even mean? Like massages and selfies and that sort of thing? Because the more I think about it, the more it feels weird. I've always been taught that self-love was something to be feared. I've been taught that arrogance is bad and vanity, it's not good. And even my bracelets are telling me to act how Jesus would. So what should I do? (laughs) 
how should I act? I'm supposed to love myself, but how do I even do that? Well, I got a trick that I picked up from a friend who noticed that I was quick to defend her when she would say something negative about herself. She would say, I'm so dumb, and I'd say, you're so brilliant. She'd say, I'm so weak, and I'd say, you're so resilient. And when she said, I feel ugly, and I said, you look beautiful, she asked me why I was so dutifully filling up her cup constantly and yet treating my own cup so irresponsibly. Because when I looked in the mirror, my voice was quite clear. You're ugly, you're too thin, your hairline's receding, you got a pimple on your chin. And that was when she gave me a piece of advice that changed my life. She gave me a hug. And she said, treat yourself like someone you loved. Treat yourself like someone you loved. Now, I had been standing, but I needed to be sitting because I couldn't believe that I had been letting myself keep forgetting that I was who I'd been looking for. And deep in my core, I knew it was time to stop looking for more until I could look through all my fear and look into a mirror and see clearly that the man looking back at me was the only one who can make me happy, and I am already enough. And I am not any more special or unique than you. That is why I'm here to speak to you. You are already enough. And when you start to see that, you will start to be that. Your world will get brighter, your load will get lighter, and you can see that with life. You can be a lover, not a fighter. And that life, you deserve it. Because you are worth it. And there is no point in letting yourself keep forgetting because no matter what you say or do, you are perfect. And so today, I hope I leave you with a direction correction away from the flaws you see in your reflection. They aren't flaws to me. They are simply protection against all the doubts you have of your perfection. So start today. Take a good, long look in the mirror and say, I am who I've been looking for. I love this video. I think it was one of the first ones that you showed me when we first started talking. Oh, it's amazing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We, we are who we've been looking for all the time. Right? You know, and, and we have, we have that health and, you know, whatever we need to conquer our world. We've got it, right? You know, so um yeah goosebumps great conversation amazing conversation <laughs> as usual not, i'm feeling a little bit one. like we've been hiding these conversations and keeping them to ourselves yes. um, it feels yeah. good to just yeah. share them thank you yeah and um you know whoever watches this uh please please spread the word we um uh, we love it. Uh, give us some likes. That's that's a virtual hug, right? <laughs> give us a virtual hug. Spread the love. Spread the love. Spread the wisdom, right? Yeah. It's really not about the like. Spread yeah. the wisdom. Yeah. yeah. Spread the insights. Yeah. And um, yeah, and um, I don't. We'll be back again next week, Wednesday, same time. Um, and uh, that, that's one o'clock Pacific and four o'clock Eastern. How did you manage with the time change? Oh, God. Uh, I don't know if you noticed that my lighting has changed a lot. It's because yeah. it becomes really dark, yeah. <laughs> like 4.30. Yes. So, yeah, it's really dark now. We started, I uh, had the sun in my face, and, yeah, I managed. Yeah. You know, I don't like it. But it is what it is, right? It's dark outside and it's not even five. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. And then eventually everything gets because, uh, but that's that's the that's the cycle, right? You know, and we, I think, part of our humanness is that we are capable of adapting. We are capable of adapting, and because change is constant, you know, it changes. Like, I don't know about you, but I've looked at some baby pictures of myself. Change is constant. It's constant. <laughs> of course, the baby is no longer there. 
No, I feel I could still feel it inside of me. It's like there's something there, right? There's that playfulness, that you know, that like quality. Um, but the but the physical the physical aspects of it, right? Which which tells you so much about how layered we are, right? Because yeah. the you that was in that baby body is still you. Oh, still there, 100%. Right? Yeah. So. Yeah. And I know we're almost at, you know, at our end, but anyways, thank you again. Um, thank you. Have a great week and everybody else have a great, great week and hope to see you next week. Looking forward to it. All righty. Cheers. Bye-bye. <laughs>you so much for joining us we appreciate every listener that is committed to the journey of transformation and if you found value in today's episode join us for the next conversation as we take on a new topic every week subscribe to our podcast so that you won't miss any tips and insights your experience of the show means a lot to us so please help us amplify our impact by posting an honest review this action matters to us more than you know you can find us on social media at An Honest Look Podcast and on our YouTube channel at An Honest Look. Bye for now. Ciao, ciao, and until next time.